Connecting Citizens to Science, a podcast from the Liverpool School of Tropical Medicine about engaging communities in global health research. I'm Kim Ozano. And I'm Bea Eggard. And throughout this series, we'll be talking to researchers from around the world, exploring how they connect with people to address a range of challenges in global health. Connecting Citizens to Science podcast. Um, we're really looking forward to you joining us for our very first episode. This month's series is all about using participatory research methods to connect communities and citizens to research. We will be hearing about how these participatory research methods have been used across countries and contexts and in challenging situations by a number of speakers throughout this series. We're very honored to have our co-host with us today, who is Akinola Oluoli. Akin, please tell us about yourself. Thank you very much, Kim. My name is Akinola Oluoli, as you rightly said. Um, I'm from Nigeria, and I have a background in zoology, astrology, and Coming to Kandana, I've been to social parasitology, and I've been glad to be a social parasitology now. Thank you to have me on the on the show. Thank you and welcome, Akinola. We're looking forward to spending the next four episodes with you. So this week's guests are Sharina Motu, who are with us today, and they have produced a really innovative toolkit that has a whole host of participatory research methods that have been applied across different countries, contexts, all over the world. And they put this together in a toolkit that can be used by researchers and communities and be adapted to different settings. Welcome, Sharina Motto. Shireen, could you tell us a bit about yourself? Hi, and thank you for having me on the show, um, on the podcast. Um, I'm Shireen, and um, I have a background in geography and public health, and really interested in looking at health through a social science lens. Um, before working as a researcher, I have like varied experiences um, in international um, NGOs, looking at WASH and maternal health and disability inclusion. Um, and since uh, 2019, I've been working as a researcher on countdown and redress. Um, which looks at implementation research. Um, and this is really in the area of neglected tropical diseases, but we've really used qualitative and participatory um, research methods that really focus on um, equity and community inclusion and engagement within our projects. Wonderful, it sounds like a, a real varied background and we're really looking forward to hearing more about your experience. Motto, can you tell us a bit about yourself? Uh, hi, uh, I'm Moto Nganda. So I'm um, uh, uh, a trained medical doctor, and I uh, worked in uh, implementation, uh, public health implementation, uh, in uh, Cameroon for about five to six years, and then got myself engaged in uh, fully engaged in research, and later on joined the Liverpool School of Tropical Medicine in 2020, where I've been working with uh, the Countdown Consortium for. Uh, the past two years looking at um, health system strengthening and engaging with um, countries in, um, um, in, in in the majority world on strengthening health systems to tackle certain neglected tropical diseases. So I'm very interested in, or oh, I have an increasing interest in participatory health research, you know, engaging with partners and communities to build themselves and make uh, their, their communities healthier. Thank you. Fabulous. Um, great to have you on today's show. Um, myself and Akin will just ask you a few questions and, and, and feel free to kind of um, chip in at any point. So let's start. Can you give us a brief overview of the project you're working on? 
Um, yes, so um, working across Countdown and um, the products that we've been working on, we've, you know, we realized that we use a lot of participatory health research methods, um, approaches as well. And so really um, in discussion with um, our team members, including Kim, Laura, Helen, who can't join us today, but had a really pivotal role in um, the development of this toolkit. Um, we decided, how can we bring all this learning together in a practical way, um, in a really practical way that can be used? How can we you know, use all the approaches that we've used and kind of bring them and introduce them to people that haven't used or what aren't familiar with um, participatory health research? Um, and what we really try to do is bring learning, not just from our own projects which focused on Liberia and Nigeria but we also thought how can we bring learning across the Department of International um, Health um, and kind of think about you know what kind of learning we can bring from across contexts and really working with marginalized populations who aren't usually involved in research um, and so we kind of took it from there and thought let's bring a way we can showcase learning but also in a very practical way. Great, thank you. That that gives us a taste of the toolkit, which we're really going to hear more about. Uh, Motto, anything to add there? Probably not sure if I have to add something uh, on that, but Sharina's rightly said it is is kind of uh, bringing together learnings and and sharing experiences and being and uh, uh, enabling those who are new or not having been using participatory health research constantly to actually engage in it and and put it in the radar of their research. Thanks, Motu. Um, one of the things we really want to understand when researchers are trying to connect with communities, people, stakeholders, different kind of members of our communities, is what are the, the key things that need to be thought of in the different areas and the different contexts where you work? And you've both just mentioned um, quite a few different countries that you've worked in. I wondered if you could tell us about some of the key considerations that you've had to think about when um, connecting with communities in your research. Um, I would say really um, a big part of our research was increasing access, access to communities and how can we make our approaches and our methods um, accessible and approachable. Um, and I think a key consideration first really was finding out marginalized groups, finding out, you know, who can be involved in the research. And we, through our projects, we really found, you know, community gatekeepers have a really um, strong part to play in that. And even to do that, you really need to think about the country context, you know, what's, you know, locally appropriate and really working with um, the communities to be really have a not just contribute to the research, but to actually have an active role throughout the research, throughout the research methods, the data collection, the analysis, and how can we actually use, you know, collaboration and ownership um, throughout the whole process. So I would say a big part of that really, I'll focus on the word access, you know, making it accessible. Um, I would I would say that. Uh, yes, uh, thank you very much, Sharin, uh, for actually making it really clear for us. Um, I would just want to like add that you know we work with um, when we say communities. Sometimes we may just think of a, a, a geographical setting, but it's not always the case. You know, it could be a community of persons sharing. Community is just a group of persons sharing a similar identity. So um, we work with communities from uh, like main in, in me personally, communities in Liberia and Nigeria, and it's. it's 
extends from um, health system stakeholders or community health workers or community leaders and stakeholders and even um, 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 certain community health groups. So uh, what I think are the key considerations is that for us to actually understand their context on, on be able to uh, um, implement uh, what we think is, is good or beneficial to the community, we need to understand them. So we need to engage them from the start of our project, of, 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 of our work, so we get them and make sure that their voices are ahead and prioritized on the decision-making processes, either to um, design whatever project we are designing or in um, uh, uh, developing research questions and and even in deciding on what methods to actually apply uh, in in our research and in our intervention. We also need to like capacitate these persons um, to be able to uh, um, co-design or co-develop whatever we want to develop and be able to actually take ownership of the project and get very engaged in the implementation or the rollout of whatever project we are doing. Um, yeah, so, um, and then we, I think one other key thing is to actually create, you know, kind of forum for knowledge uh, sharing and experience sharing between peers and partners and between collaborators. And this gives us huge learning, not just they learning from us, but we learn a lot from them, which is really, really necessary for us to, for participatory health research. So, yeah, thank you. Thanks very much. I mean, that's already given me so much to think about. And, you know, what really comes across is that your participatory methods, when you think about methods, isn't just for data collection. You've both picked up that this is a across the process, engaging communities from the very beginning. You, Shireen, you mentioned co-analysis and motto about this capacity strengthening both ways between researchers and communities and the importance of that. And thank you also, Motto, for really highlighting to us when we use the word community, it's, it's you know, a really difficult word um, in terms of understanding what community uh, means. And, you know, you said it's really about that unit of identity and considering different layers community in different groups. So I think those are really key considerations. And, you know, Shireen, we've heard in the literature quite a lot, the role of gatekeepers is really, really important in terms of hearing voices, as Motto has said, and, and prioritizing the voices of the most marginalized. So thank you for those key considerations. I think they're really important. Um, I'm going to hand over to Akin, uh, my wonderful co-host, to talk to you more about the toolkit now. Thank you. Thank you very much, Kim. Uh, I think my first question now, I would like to know, can you tell us more about these two kids? What methods? What's, what's it all about? What's the structure and what's the function? Let me start with Moto, please. Okay, um, Akin, thank you. That's really uh, a very important question. Uh, I'll say this toolkit that we called um, Supporting Equity Partnerships in Global Health is a toolkit that is aimed at you know, supporting researchers and um, program managers and teachers and students to actually, you know, apply participatory health research across, uh, um, you know, participatory health research paradigms and methods to kind of maximize uh, um, um, partnerships or equity in partnerships in global health uh, um, research on global health research interventions. So um, this toolkit is 
we've separated into two main sections or two main modules as we call it the first one introduces participatory health research and talks about decolonizing uh, 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 health research and the second one actually details the methods that we have used practically that's a practical step-by-step ways of using the various methods that we showcase in this toolkit and give and has given examples on how these methods have been applied before and the challenges we have faced and how we have been able to mitigate some of these challenges some kind of top tips um so um i think that's generally the the the, the structure of the toolkit i'm sure sharon has more to add on, on that um, yes. Um, so just to say that the toolkit is really a way of bringing all the learning together. And as Motto said, we have kind of brought an introduction, a basic introduction to um, participatory health research, the principles, the overview of approaches, and that looks at um, participatory action research, quality improvement cycles, and community-based participatory research. We look at key terminology, looking at co-researchers, informed consent, looking at power dynamics. <laughs> And then when we really talk about the research methods, so this is really the crux of what our toolkit is about. We really wanted it to be practical. So we'd start off with an introduction to the method and then there's step-by-step, you go through a step-by-step process of how you would actually, you know, carry out the method, what materials you'll need, what considerations you'll need, what resources are needed. And this is really um, the exciting part of our um, toolkit that I think anyway, is really it's case study based. So there's examples of how these methods have been used in real life situations and kind of bringing them to life. And as Motto mentioned, the top tips. So we've spoken to all our collaborators from across the different projects, different contexts, um, and kind of asked them, you know, what were the, what kind of top tips do they have? What challenges did they have? And the way we've kind of structured the to, um, the toolkit is it's in two modules. So the first really gives an overview of PHR. And then the second, um, we kind of talk through methods. And these are kind of split in three ways. So one is, you know, understanding community structures, time and space. And this includes methods like a transit walk, seasonal calendars and community social mapping, which really relates to what I was saying before about, you know, trying to actually find out, you know, who are the key people who should be um, included in the research who's mostly affected by the research and um, social mapping can really, you know, facilitate that. Um, Again, another one, we kind of looked at understanding processes. So this kind of included like health-seeking pathway approaches, um, stepping stones, um, action logs as well. Um, I won't go through every single method, but these are just the ways we kind of divided up the methods. And then finally, we kind of looked at understanding community perspectives and lived realities. And this included methods like photo voice, narrative methods like vignettes. Um, We also included, you know, um, problem tree analysis and um, theatre and it was just an exciting way of kind of bringing all the learning together because PHR is such a vast, it's really a huge topic and there's so many different approaches. So we kind of just thought of how can we structure it in a way that is accessible and a way that is kind of easily understood, especially for people who would be new to these methods. Wow, this is a lot. That's great. So you, what you're saying is that you're developing a toolkit that is very useful for uh, students who are into health research, who want to 
go into health participatory research and who are interested in ensuring that there's equity, there's participation, and so you've developed a toolkit in which anyone who is interested in going to participatory health research can actually lay it hands on, have a practical experience of how it's being used and examples of how it's be, it has been used and the group of people that can be used with. So this is a great one. So can you tell me what actually inspired you to develop this toolkit? Sharon, can I start with you? So um, it was really um, through, it was a real journey, um, the inspiration behind this toolkit really. Um, and I can see Motto smiling there <laughs> because we, it really came through discussions and through working on Countdown together, as I said, and really focused on participatory health research, like at the heart of Countdown, our projects were really looking at community equity and engagement. And it was through discussions with Kim, Laura and Helen as well. How can we kind of bring our learnings together? But then it kind of grew a bit bigger because there was some funding available through um, the Department of International Public Health at LSTM. And we thought, what a great way to actually you know, think about how we can bring learning from the rest of the departments across different contexts, across different, because we really focus on NTDs, but there's also a lot of learning around, you know, community health, urban health. And um, so we thought, what a great way to actually bring the learning together. How can we make it practical um, and how can it be used? So we really did think about who it can be used by. And as Motto kind of mentioned, we want it to be used by researchers, by program implementers, even teaching. So we really kept that in mind. Um, you know, let's have a toolkit that really can showcase learning, but also be used, um, you know, can people can apply the learning in their own research. Well, thank you so much. Um... I would like to know who are the people involved in producing the context and how did it go? How did you go about producing this PHR toolkit? Um, so um, this was really um, a collaborative effort between myself, Motto, Helen, with the guidance of Kim and Laura, of course, um, kind of bringing the concept together, but it was really um, through discussions and approaching, you know, the other consortia, um, you know, across um, LSTM, um, you know, and partner institutions. And we really used um, our network. Um, so through the gender and health group, we kind of, you know, who were very keen to get involved um, and they really contributed to case studies and methods, um, and in the write-up across um, the toolkit as well. And um, this included, you know, work from um, Nigeria, Liberia, Malawi, Zimbabwe, um, Kenya, and also Bangladesh. Um, so it was really a big collaborative effort, I would say. Wow, that's interesting. So it's, it's an experience and, and examples from different countries and contexts that has been put together. In these two kits, that's going to be a very good one. So, how do you think this can help other researchers from across disciplines? How do you think these two kits will be helpful to them? Hi, uh, yes, uh, Akin. Um, I think this um, toolkit is really going to be very useful to uh, many researchers across different disciplines, as it is. Uh, um, 
going to help or showcase on how researchers can actually include participatory health research in their radar uh, when designing their research and when um, uh, implementing them. So it kind of helps people or researchers who have not used participatory research before to start using it. And um, those who have been using it to like, you know, it's kind of a means of encouragement to keep using it because it showcases benefits of using participatory health research. Um, it can also serve as uh, as a teaching aid for uh, um, um, lecturers and 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 and, and as well as uh, a, a tool for students who are really interested in participatory health research. It can also assist in program implementers and program managers across uh, different programs, especially in the settings in which uh, we have worked, like in, as, as Sharin said, in Zimbabwe and Nigeria and Liberia and every other uh, countries that uh, um, we have been involved with or are interested in this kind of research. So I think this is really, really going to uh, um, help people or help researchers engage themselves in participatory health research and take it forward. So yeah, thank you. Wow, that's fine. That's good. Um, Sherry, do you want to add anything to that? Um, I think Motto has kind of answered most of it really. It's a way, um, like I said, it's a it's a very practical tool. So we hope that it'll encourage other researchers to kind of look at how they can kind of incorporate participatory methods or approaches um, within their own research. And we hope that the step by step instructions, um, the case studies, the top tips, um, can really provide a platform for learning. Um, we have a good you know reference list as well for further reading. Um, so we really do help hope that it will help you know cross learn. Um, and I think you know, participatory health research. We all very, we're all very passionate about it. So we really hope that this toolkit can kind of bring it to the forefront and kind of can make people think a bit more about how to make research a bit more inclusive. Wow, that's excellent, wonderful. So we now have a toolkit which we can also both use for learning in class and also on field. I mean, having practical experience or guide on how to actually, you know, implement these skills and um, approaches in participatory health research. This is great. So let me ask this very last question from me before I turn over to Kim. What is your most proud moment in the production of these two kits? That that's that's a very interesting one. I think, uh, to me, the, the the most proud moment was um when I saw the engagement of researchers at LSTM and beyond in the production of this toolkit. It actually showed me, or it actually proved to me how important participatory health research is in the Department of International Public Health at LSTM, and how keen researchers are to actually show it out there or want or, or to spread the information or spread this application in global health. So for example, like within, within LSTM, when we introduced this toolkit in our gender and health group, so many persons opted to write sections, uh, write show uh, 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 case studies as well. And this went beyond just the uh, Department of International Public Health at LSTM, but to partner countries and, and partner institutions who actually, as you can see in the uh, toolkit, um, uh, for, for, for those who are able to see it, we realized that so many participation came in. So there was that passion from 
everybody we co- we, we contacted. And when the final toolkit was produced, there was still that passion from uh, uh, the the authors and um, uh, other p- staff, even those who are not in TIPH, who wanted to read it and actually make reviews about it. So there was that. That was what was like the highlight to me of this, the production of this uh, toolkit as a whole. Um, yes, so really building up on what Mocho said, seeing it all come together was actually the best part because um, it was a you know a collaborative project, but it also took a lot of time. So um, you know, getting all the case studies together, collaborating um, across networks, I would say a great part about this toolkit was rebuilding those networks and working with so many different people, learning about different projects that we otherwise wouldn't have really heard about um, because sometimes as researchers, I feel we can kind of just focus in on our own research um, but really it's really exciting to hear about how other people have used the same methods but use them differently hearing about you know anecdotal you know the top tips you know how they you know found challenges and benefits and um, I think the case studies are really a proud part you know seeing you know we kind of try to make the toolkit eye-catching too so there's loads of photos loads of examples I would say really seeing it all our work come together into one document that was really a highlight for me thank you very much fantastic so this is a wonderful resource you can find the link in the blurb below and i think um a lot of researchers and communities will will really be able to engage with this um resource so um now we're on to our final round which is a quick fire round and this quick fire round is about um giving advice to people uh, who want to connect with communities and research so the first question, though, is how can this toolkit help people connect with part and partner with communities in different ways? Yes, uh, thank you, Kim. Um, quick one. I, I I think I would say it it um, it's the the toolkit serves as a means of capacity building, and knowledge and knowledge and experience sharing. So people who read it should be able to understand certain aspects of perspective health research and know that uh, getting involved in this will actually give them that ownership of the science behind um, uh, the policies and, 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 and strategies that are made in the health that affects them directly. So I think that is really, really one way that people can get themselves engaged and connected with research. Wonderful. So Shireen, what advice would you give to others who would like to produce a resource like this? Um, I would say practically because it is again a collaborative document and through participatory research you're working with so many different people I would say um, planning practical time this uh, you know building a, a, a toolkit like this takes time um, I would say really open communication loads of um, you know building lots of time for reviews um, because you're working with so many different people there's so many different writing styles but you're also writing a toolkit so we wanted it to be cohesive so we you know we had help from B, um, who you'll hear from in this podcast too, um, to copy edit to make sure that it was a cohesive document. But we also had rounds of validation, you know, sending the toolkit back to make sure, you know, authors are happy with how, you know, how their projects have been represented um, and really making sure that everyone's voices are still there, but in a cohesive way. Um, and also to really think about when you're producing a toolkit, to really think about how it'll be used in practice. How can it be practical? Um, and I would say just keep that in mind when you're, um, you know, developing a toolkit and also practically, um, I think I'm going longer than 30 seconds, but just think about structure and timelines, working with graphic designers. 
Thank you. And last question to both of you, starting with Motto. What more can we as researchers do to better connect with people and communities? I'm not sure about what more, but I want to insist on that active engagement of people who are directly concerned or involved or, or um, who, who directly affected by the research, because this is a very essential part of, of research. I think we need to engage them from the start of the research and carry them throughout the process of the research so that at the end of it, they don't feel as if they are being um, something new is being brought to them, but they have that ownership that started from the start and they can just continue with it into their normal routine workflow or routine life cycle. So I think that is really a very important aspect of it. Engage communities and, and, and people from the start and take them along throughout the project right up to the end. It might sound complicated, but it's really feasible and it's things that we have done and other people have done. So I think it's really, really essential to do. Thank you. Thanks, Marto, and same question to you, Shireen. What more can researchers do to better connect with communities? Um, I would say really trying to bridge that gap between researcher and community. I think it's really important to kind of realize that, you know, they're not separate. People that, you know, whose lives are affected by the research, they're experts of their own lives. And it's really to kind of build that learning and to kind of produce more spaces of collaboration, of really learning from each other and making sure the priorities and needs of the communities, and as I said, community is a really big word, but to really kind of focus on, you know, what is the aim of the research? You know, who will it benefit? And how can people, like Motto mentioned, ownership? We really want to think about ownership. And I think as researchers, we really need to think about marginalized groups. How can we access them? How can we make research, you know, available to um, to everyone. We need to think about language. We need to think about geography. How can we access people in rural areas? How can we make research disability inclusive? I think there's lots to think about, um, but these are things that, like Motto said, that it's been done before. There's still so much to do, but it's always to kind of keep these learnings in mind and really keep equity in research in mind and inclusion. Thank you so much for everything. Some wonderful advice there. Um, and from what I'm hearing, it's really important to engage people right from the beginning of research, right from the start, and to work with communities and people as equal partners in the research process throughout. And Shireen, I really like the term that you used um, to make the research more accessible, more available to people, to marginalized populations whose voices are not often heard. I don't know about you, Akin, but I've learned a lot from Otto and Shireen today. Have you got anything else you'd like to add? Yeah, thank you, Kim. It has been a wonderful time hearing what the content of the participatory health research to is and how applicable it is to the people that can benefit. And that is the practical answer toolkit that can be used anyway. Thank you very much. And thank you for the two uh, presenters. I'm glad to be here. Wow, Akin, it sounds like you're in a really lively area. Um, what is that excitement in the background? Yeah, I'm within a school environment where students are just living. I just wanted to say thank you so much um, once again. And have you got any other last comments before we sign off for this episode? 
<laughs> yeah, I just wanted to also say thank you very much for inviting us, Kim and Akin. Uh, I think this is uh, really a, a, a very uh, important step for us to actually speak about this toolkit, which has really been in the development in the past few months, and um, to showcase participatory health research as a whole, and to know that you know the wider community is actually going to see what has been produced here at LSTM and how this can be applied across um, borders and uh, improve equity in, in global health. So I uh, just want to say thank you. And yeah, great. Thanks so much, Motto. And really just to echo Motto, just to say really thank you so much for having us here and um, for letting us talk about this toolkit and kind of we really enjoy talking about participatory health research. Yes, there's always so much to think about. Um, so it's been great to talk about it with both you, Kim and Akin. So really thank you for the opportunity to share um, this toolkit on this panel.